What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Desolation Radio. It's me, your boy, Dan Evans. I'm joined, as always, by, by the boy, Nathan Cush. What's yep. up, Nath? What's up? How's it going? All right, son. All right. Yeah. And the Did boy... you bring the antidepressants? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, just, a, just a belt. Yeah. Um, uh, and we're joined by the boy, Dr. Kieran Smith. What's up, Kieran? All right, boys. Dr. Right, boy. Not really, no. The boy Terrible. doctor. Yeah. Unemployed. Living the dream. Depressed. Desolate. But that's all going to turn around now. Labour have won. No, Did they? No, they, they lost me. I, f- I didn't check. No, they lost oh. me, yeah. What? They lost. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. Mate. But yeah, Twitter. Landslide. Twitter said, like, all Something the... Something special's happening. Yeah, Something I felt it. Something happening along I felt it so much in the air. I was like, oh, I'm not going to bother. I literally just found out now. <laughs> we'll do the dissection now, but that is actually something that's interesting, is that... It felt like we were much better than we did. So. Well, I mean... I was like, oh, there's something in the air compared to 2017. Yeah. And then uh, last something in the air was Toryism. I mean, as ever, you know, I was right. Um, as I always have been in every major uh, sort of... You take no pleasure in being right, <coughs> do you? I take no pleasure in being right. No, but... but, I, but this the, prophecy is... You, you but, fought for the winning side, voted Tory. You knew we were going to win. Yeah, back the horses in the wind, didn't you? This, no, this, um, this <laughs> prophecy of Dan is more of a curse than a gift. But... Um, with the hope stuff, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I went out canvassing, um, but I genuinely for labour, we should uh, yeah, say. Yeah. I genuinely did start to think it. You know, it was cognitive dissonance. I like, I knew that the, I knew that the pivot to remain was an awful idea. I knew that people were just all they talked about on the the doorstep was Brexit, but you went back on Twitter and you see people showing like massive queues around polling stations. Well, no, I was like, oh, look at the queue. Oh, I wonder where that is. Oh, Battersea. Oh, all um, oh, right. It's it's not uh, it's not balls. Talk, like, talking anyway. to people, friends on the left. I still don't think you know. You're right. It was predictable, right? But I do, I don't think that anyone expected it to be as bad as it was. I don't think we did. A white boat. Yeah. I, I and I and what does that say about the lenses that we're using to to read these things? You yeah. know. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty bleak. So we'll, this uh, this episode is going to be like a post mortem, and um, we've already done. I mean, again. I feel like what was in Louise Mensch when she's like, I take no pleasure in reporting of the death penalty being considered for uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I do, I mean, I take no pleasure in it, but we did um, we did a podcast with Aditya Chakraborty on the limitations of Corbynism, the things he didn't do, and it's eerily prescient and depressingly so Which was kind of good for us, to be honest. I yeah, was, build, amazing, yeah was like, build, oh, building our brand up. To you be know, honest, like, um, yeah. People are going to die, but, you know, we've... We've managed to get a few more. Yeah, We've got quite a few more followers on Twitter. Yeah, that's yeah. The main thing. that is yeah. the important thing. Uh, <laughs> no, so but go back and listen to that one because it basically said, uh, it's the shortcomings, and we we will sort of go over that a little bit now. I'm I'm going to break with tradition and do a shout out at the, at the beginning. Um, I want to shout out to Jeremy Corbyn, and I tried to say this like off air, but I started my voice started wavering because I'm yeah. getting so emotional. And then I said, Dan, don't do it now. Use it in the, <laughs> yeah, for the emotional um, resonance that will carry. Oh, well, all right, we'll do it at the end. We'll do it at the end as well. But um, yeah, yes. I just still now, I've got a huge, huge amount of respect for that man. And I do feel like, generally honoured to have like canvassed for a Labour Party led by him. And I mean, I'd put the Tyrone O'Sullivan. I mean, when I said, I've actually said this to people on the doorstep, Oh, Corbyn, Corbyn. Someone said to me, like, what does Corbyn know, like, Corbyn know about Wales? And I said, well, actually, doing a mining strike, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn drummed up £3,000 a, a week yeah. for the South Wales Thousands. miners from his constituency in Islington. So this is a man that's consistently they stood... They gave him a medal. This is a man that's consistently stood with... Made a coal. With, <laughs> with, you know, with, with South Wales and, and, well, all of Wales, you know. Um, 
He's a good man. He's consistently I, stood on the right side of history. Yeah, but and I, he will be remembered as an absolute giant of the Labour movement. And um, he's just too good for this world, isn't he? He's you know Welsh Labour didn't deserve him. The Labour Party didn't deserve him. Um, his wife doesn't deserve him. And I will not hear. <laughs> the hardest thing about it has been seeing him uh, have to take it all. And but we're so we're like composed himself throughout it. Like yeah, ne- never lost his yeah, you know like he's pure no, pure like, class. composure. Yeah, never was like, in the debate cycle. Phenomenal. He was right. I mean, he's right. Um, anyway, that's um, that's the end I just, of the episode. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to say that because I did. I did feel that the last episode with Aditya was kind of, it was bleak, and in retrospect, that was we it were was correct, correct. We were correct yeah. to be bleak, but um, you know, there's no shame in having in having hope and putting your. There's no shame in pinning mm. your hopes in Jeremy Corbyn. To be honest, though, I mean, like for for us and a lot of people to be like so kind of distraught and uh, obviously before the uh, results so hopeful it just shows you're actually human like yeah, i was like it does. and then on the pl- uh, other side of that is you can see how inhuman a lot of people are yeah. which is of a sobering thing the counterfeit did a good editorial well as we're talking about now as in what went wrong i mean unless you're an fbp lunatic um or on the labor right it's incredibly obvious patently obvious what went wrong um Labor the, should have backed the, the, the pivot <laughs> the pivot disastrous decision by the labor party to pivot to remain to cozy up to another europe to cozy up to the people's vote was what what cost them everything and i just want to have a special academic beef here with people like rob ford uh, Matt, I can't remember his name. Goodwin. Uh, Matt Goodwin. All these fucking gimps and uh, these political scientists who are not socialists, they're not left-wing. You know, these are people who, you know, like, you know, our comrade uh, Prof Britpol, um, <laughs> he's obviously a pastiche of, of these people. They have, they don't give a shit about anything other than, like, their impact. They, they basically fucked this for everyone. They basically said, oh, actually, I think you'll find that all Labour voters in leave areas actually voted remain that was the data that was the evidence that the pivot to remain was based on it was so you look at the map in 2016 so it was all the labor heartlands voted to leave and the argument was well actually the people who voted leave in those constituencies were not labor voters they were tories they or... were tories and the labor vote most labor voters even in leave constituencies actually voted remain and on friday morning i was so enraged um, I spent a fairly cathartic and really petty hour just retweeting the constant arguments I'd had with people from like Plaid Cymru and, and the right of the Labour Party over the, like, the last year who were all patronising me and saying, actually, I think you'll find, you know, Labour won't lose any votes if they pivot to Remain because all Labour voters are, are Remainers, even in leave areas. And it is a lesson <laughs> for us all here, right? I was sceptical of that data then and I said so. This data directly contradicts what we were seeing with our own eyes. My family, my, you know, peop- the people I knock around with, people in my community are Labour voters. They're leavers. And we're being told, basically, that these people don't exist. You know, yeah. and that, you know, that they're all Remainers. And it's, it was such bullshit. Um, we, do you want to pull out the statistics just to sort of hammer this was what drove the... This is the evidence they used. The McDonald and your own Jones, mm. yeah. They looked at it and said, well... This is the evidence for pivoting to remain now because you know we're not gonna we're not gonna lose that many votes. And the thing is, 
Oh, that's what happens when you don't leave London. But I know, I know they were they were, they were obviously in a bind, as John McDonald said in the, in the interview the other day. They were they were in a huge bind. You, mm. you know, they're the only party that straddled the divide. You know, you've got a huge amount of Remainers and they've got a huge amount of Leave voters. But the thing is, the 2017 position of respecting the referendum was quite clearly the right one because a we would have left by now and we could have fought the election on social socialism versus on the actual manifesto that on the yeah. manifesto, not about Labour, but. The thing that pisses me off so much with these political scientists, right? Today, they're fine. They're not going to be affected by this. And they go back out and they'll, even though they got it wrong, again, just like they did in 2017, just like they did with Brexit and just like they did with Trump, and they can keep going on and acting as talking heads on the news. And it just, it's it's a problem of method as well. Speaking as a sociologist, the priv- this like privileging of like big data and polls and stuff and, and ignoring the real lives of people like ignoring like ethnographic accounts things like this this is why we don't understand yeah communities and this is why no one ever sees anything coming because they're not rooted in communities they don't speak to people they don't have a clue what people no actually no no think. there's no depth to the no, analysis um, of people's and uh, you know because these are like emotional responses that people have like yeah. the frustration <laughs> and you know the dejection that you feel if you live in a community and it, um it's fu- being it, ignored by people who just look at statistics and it's the pivot to remain or well, the second referendum fucked everything. This was a Brexit election. Um, people wanted Brexit out the way. People wanted it done. But fundamentally, this is, and this is, I mean, we have slagged off like Owen Jones and, and like the London left or whatever. You said you right? liked him in the last episode. Uh, What's happened? No, I do like him. Um, <laughs> no, on a personal level, because he's, a, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about this and I was moaning about people and I, I've written an article which should, should be coming out, I think, on the day we release this where I sort of go for them a little bit. But now I've calmed down you know, you have to realise that, you know, I would much rather someone like Owen Jones in my corner than your Rob Fords and your um, Matthew Goodwins and all these sort of centrist psychopaths. You know I mean? At least he's yeah. well-meaning. Yeah. But the thing that has bugged me throughout, and people still don't get it, and this is the problem of having like a top-down London-centric movement, is this still an inability of people to put themselves in the shoes of people who voted leave. Even now, like, it's a very basic human concept. You say to people, how would you like it if your vote was overturned? Oh, but, but, uh, no, 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 no ifs, no buts. How would you like it if your vote, if you voted remain and then they overturned it? Especially in um, communities who are disenfranchised and atomized and, yeah, like, you know, are, uh, don't vote yeah. anyway. And people and, are disenfranchised and no matter what angry you say already. Or do, yeah. is ignored and then anyway. you do get, yeah, you do get, like, a kind of, a, yeah. you know, the one uh, chance you have. Yeah, a, refer- a referendum on, like, you know. You cannot claim to empower. Well, I, I actually said it in, in the Aditya episode. Um, we disagreed about it, but I do still believe that you cannot claim to speak for working class people in on the one hand and then preface it by saying, by the way, you know that when you just come out and um, exercise your democratic right for like maybe the first time ever, or mm. um, yeah, we're going to overrule that. But after that, well, then we'll help. Technically, no, that was more of like a suggestion rather than a referendum. It was just like, you well, know, yeah. we were just looking for people's opinions. But it's still you know, now, there's, which an, we're now gonna try there's, a sol- there's a solipsism, an inability, an absolute inability, even from well-meaning, extremely intelligent people, they cannot, cannot conceive of what it's what it would be like to have your vote overturned. It, it's very thing is it's a that is inc- incredibly worrying for me. Just to try to t- tell someone right, have a think how you would like it mm. if your vote was overturned. Oh, blah, 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 blah. oh no, but this is this is this is this. Thing is, they don't know what they're voting for. But it, yeah, they, yeah. Oh, Brexit's yeah, going to be yeah. terrible. Brexit's going to be terrible. And there's still this, I don't know, paternalist. This, this, yeah. this it's still this reluctance, and it's a very, it's a very, it should be 
a very simple thing to do to put yourself in someone else's shoes and say how do you like it and people still still can't get their heads around it and it happened on the doorstep you know they're ignoring us um I vote to leave. We're being ignored. People are telling us we're stupid. Yada yada yada. And Kieran uh, managed to jot down uh, how that can ref- was reflected in the yeah in the well, election we, results in some some key areas. Well, in, yeah, especially in the, in the South Hills Valleys, where like you know this this is was exactly the problem that we were facing. And clearly, what happened was Brexit Party just took chunks out of the Labour vote. That uh, these. Supposed areas where those all those Labour voters voted remain mm. right. So yeah, we don't, some we, of the numbers we, we don't know. Like obviously, this is the thing we don't. People will go now. How do you know they were switches? Yeah, well, you yeah. don't. You can't, yeah, obviously, and yeah, the dust say, is still you can't just the statistics, moment, but some of the numbers are pretty shocking. Ron the twenty seventeen right, Labour got twenty one thousand ninety six votes. Twenty nineteen, Labour got sixteen thousand one hundred fifteen votes. Brexit Party three thousand seven hundred thirty three. Big old chunk, right? Conservative, relatively stable vote between 2017 and 2019. Blind of Gwent, 2017. Labour, 18,787. 2019, 14,862. So that's around roughly 4,000 votes down. Brexit Party, 6,215. Merthyr, Labour 2017, 22,407. 2019, 16,913. That's five, 6,000 votes. Brexit Party, 3,604, right? Same in Blythe, Bolsover. Same in Blythe, Bolsover. Cunham Valley, 2017, Labour got 19,404 votes. 2019, 15,533. Brexit Party, 3,045. Like, huge chunk but taken the, out of the The thing is, as well, this was kind of hinted at in the, between the elections of 2015 and 2017. So 2015, when UKIP had a massive boost in Wales... Like, you know, I thought 2017, oh, you know, that's going to make its way to the Conservative Party. 2017, almost all of them, well, not all of them, but a lot of them came back to Labour. You know, like, this this isn't... It's not new, is it? Yeah, it's not new. And this is something we've been saying on this podcast almost since it started. But, I mean, you know, to deaf ears. Not not that, like, we're, you know, have a huge reach and should be listened to. Well, we should be listened to. (laughs) But, you know, it's... And it's, I think it's um, you know, it's just reflective of today when Dan, you released that article, and everyone in London's like mind got blown. They're like, "Oh wow, this this person's actually, you know." Uh, I think, I think that I, mean, I don't even think it's like a London like metropolitan thing. I just think that like, I don't know. I just, I, I think people are finally blatantly maybe realizing that, you know, you you can't shit on working class people forever and, and keep calling and them thick you, and stupid and, and and you can't and and you can't build a left wing movement without the institutions in place to be able to support them on the ground in ways that affect people's everyday lived experience. Institutions which have been completely eroded in those, you know, those constituencies that you've just mentioned. Well, you've got your, you know, this is what fucks me off so much now. Um, You've got your, you know, your Blairs, your Stephen Kinnock's, like everyone coming out, uh, David Miliband and things like that. Like, yes, Corbynism has structural problems which we talked about in the last podcast so there's no point going over them you know the lack of institutions you know this fact it is a top-down movement it's not social you know it wasn't a social movement in the end but you know corbyn still had a higher vote share than you know brown and ed Miliband, and so this this rot that the labor party have faced and aditya has written an article about today corbyn's reaping what was sowed by yeah. Tony Blair, basically you know the labor party and the blair and mandelson and alistair campbell they're the ones that like took working class communities for granted mm. uh, they're the ones that did nothing to rebuild the institutions that used to sustain the culture of laborism 
and like working class solidarity. No. They're the ones that we're okay with these communities being absolutely decimated yeah. and, and replaced you know, with Amazon, call centers yeah, and yeah. Amazon and things like that. And Corbynism <clears throat> was in 2017 was like a boost. It was a sh- it was a shot in the arm, and it was basically artificially breathing life into laborism. But it's still the rot was so deep, you know, so it's almost, you know, there were these things bubbling under the surface that Corbynism just couldn't compensate for. And yes, it didn't address them at all. But to see these people pin it on Jeremy Corbyn now when mm. the the ground for this absolute collapse was prepared by, mm. you know, your Blairs, your Chris Bryants and things like that and Natasha Engels, all these freaks that have been parachuted into our communities year after year and, tr- and yeah and a, a, cent- a centrist form of labor politics that tries to accommodate neoliberalism yeah it, it makes no effort what and whilst labor doing it as we speak not making the effort not trying to make the arguments for how can we resist neoliberalism mm. how can we build institutions and, and build an economy that can survive on its own feet but rather uh, literally bribing it yeah. <laughs> and building the roads, building the infrastructure for these corporations to um, to take hold of these communities yeah, and, we and built, to decimate we, the social bonds that have been in place for fucking 100 years. <laughs> they said, I mean, the instant Wales has always been called like a stateless nation, wasn't it? And then there's all this stuff, you know, did, do, has devolution created like a Welsh state? Well, yeah, it has. And, if you, and it's created like a monstrous capitalist state, which serves capital you know just like all other states you know it's it, it's it's a transmission belt for capital and then welsh labor people are turning around blaming jeremy corbyn you know they are so culpable in all of this it's it's actually mind-blowing and this is what i want to just briefly touch on yeah i mean i'm a huge fan of jeremy corbyn i think he's as i said uh, an admirable man a, a devout socialist you know history will yeah. remember him but he knows, you know, we know he's, he knows he's right. You know, he can hold his head up high, do you know what I mean? He's never compromised on his principles. And like these absolute freaks who are running him down at every opportunity. You know, he's a good man, you know, a kind man who, as I said, has looked out for our community. My criticism of Corbyn is that when it came to the crunch, when it came to these hard decisions, he wasn't strong enough. So he should have resisted the pivot to remain he should have resisted that in the labor conference but he wasn't strong enough he should have taken the chance to deselect all the right wingers the blairites and stuff because like it or not like even when you're campaigning jeremy corbyn didn't purge the labor party of the residue of blairism you know you're still having in many constituencies parachute candidates legacy candidates you know you stephen connects you chris bryant's so you can't really complain if people don't vote for people like that do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and he should have actually taken a historic opportunity to clean house and get rid of those people and actually put working class local candidates in. Um, you know, he didn't stand up to, you know, they accepted the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, which it just built a rod for his own back. You know, he got rid of Chris Williamson, who, in my view, done absolutely nothing wrong. And he, he's kicked him out of the party while he's allowing Tony Blair to be in. So he just wasn't strong enough, and that's a massive lesson, I think. He wasn't strong enough when it came to those really key decisions, but that's also a failure of our failure, like the trade union movement, the extra parliamentary left. Like In times like that, Corbyn should have been able to rely on a mass labour movement of working-class people to basically 
say we've got your back, like mm. the right wing in like conference and things like that, I'm not going to be able to bully you into doing that. But he didn't. He just has like a coterie of a couple of advisors, and it's him on his own. You know, he's and and eventually he got bullied into into taking these compromise positions, and it really cost him. Yeah, and it's cost us. But I mean, the thing, the th- but what we talked about in the Ditcher episode, I came away from this election thinking, you know, I'm not as depressed as I, I thought I would be because we knew that Corbynism hadn't done the rebuilding, it hadn't done the hard and glamorous work that needed. We needed, you know, it hadn't rooted itself in communities, it hadn't built institutions. But I suppose at the same time, it's had three years to do that, you know. Yeah, which isn't long. Which isn't no, a of long course, time. of course, it's not, not enough time to reverse the no yeah, four know. years of deindustrialization. But, yeah. but we knew. But my point is, we knew what needed to be done. We know what needed to be done. It has to be a bottom-up movement. It has to. We have to rebuild these institutions. We have to. The labour movement has to be rooted in social movements. It has to ally itself with, for example, the environmental movement. Mm. That's a huge thing. It didn't do those things, and so if Corbyn had got in it would have basically been a little bit of a fluke. But, you know, and then he would have had to have done all those things, like, in retrospect, right, you know, yeah. it's like, well, well, now we're in, we panic and build those things. But he wasn't getting in on the back of a mass labour movement. Let's not kill ourselves. Yeah, no. Do you know what I mean? And they also, there wouldn't have been a mass labour movement in place to defend, def- defend him once he was in power. Mm. So... I mean, that's that's the interesting thing as well, saying, like, when he was in power, he actually got slaughtered by the media, all these institutions, even before he could get in. Imagine how it would be if he managed to yeah, you know, get to him. But know. we know what needs to be done. We know what needs to be done. This really unglamorous, boring work. You know, not boring work, but it's vital work. Yeah. The only problem is now is that <laughs> under austerity, doing these things becomes far harder because no one's got any spare time. Yeah. No one's got any money. Mm. Um, no one's got any energy because everyone's... <laughs> Everyone's got a, miserable and exhausted. Everyone's miserable and exhausted yeah. permanently under capitalism. Uh, and any Dave form Moon of said, hope now has just been absolutely destroyed. Like. Well, Dave Moon said, you know, capitalism steals your time. And like, what was interesting when we spoke to uh, Mike and Gethin from LGSM, you know, they were saying the, the difference between now and back in the 80s and the miners' strike was that people could afford to live. You know, people who were on the dole could afford to have a life and not, and not yeah. use food banks and they weren't forced to... But the, I, the difference is, one of the other differences is that you know, there aren't the same opportunities for workplace organization that there were no. when you had, you know, a big manufacturing base and, and, you know, a different kind of, you know, economy. Now the economy is so fragmented, you know, it's sort of shared. Or, I mean, Cardiff now is based on an amalgamation of sort of like gig economy, creative industries. White collar working class jobs. Like, exactly. Like, and people who... Uh, you know, these are industries that, uh, you know, the workers are not showing sal- solidarity with one, another, with one another because they're all in competition with one another for what are like hardly any jobs. So you're not going to have the same kind of uh, sort of uh, energy to build unionization because everyone's, it's a race to the bottom because everyone's trying to do more and more for less and less money, you know. And uh, uh, so how you counter that is, well, this is the fucking question, isn't it? But the left didn't talk about that. I mean, and so sociologically, yeah, I, the conditions yeah. are not amenable to building a, a mass I, left that's movement. That's right. And you have to look at the sociology of how things are playing out on the ground, yeah. don't you? And, and I think that's one of the things that wasn't done by the, let's be fair, by momentum and the Corbyn movement, I would say. There's, well, there, what are the, well, one of the fundamentals of Marxism, you know, is that different types of society, you know, different economic um, forms produce different social relations, which in turn produces different... Well, different forms of solidarity, different uh, relationships between between people, different forms of work, mm. and different, the, form, different forms of politics, and development these, of different institutions diff- and different so. beliefs. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and 
just like so was it mark said you know something along the lines of like the the steam the fuel society gives us this or and then the the steam mill gives us this sort of society yeah. and stuff and and you know we move Fordism gives you a certain kind yeah of and we move and we that. move in epochs and you know and just like yeah. the industrialization creates yeah. the working class creates the proletariat um and the actual working conditions under industrialization people working together in large factories people coming into direct conflict with management and things mm. like that the, you know the, so these create these new political movements and, and forms of social consciousness and yeah. political consciousness. This is like a fundamental tenet of Marxism. And we haven't really, I don't think, addressed... I mean, funny enough, Dave Adamson, in um, I think his class something in the nation, his like PhD back in 1990, is actually fascinating, talks about like the fragmentation of South Wales and the formation of like new class fractions as people who are socially mobile, you know, from the South Wales Valleys and move into places like Bridgend, Vela Glamorgan, um, and he's saying that like gradually the ties that bind people to like laborism as a culture are lessening and eroding because people are geographically distant from it, yeah. but also people are doing different forms of work exactly. um, and living different forms of lives. You know? yeah. So they're not in a, if you look at the classic, you know, the, the mythical mining communities that, you know, South Wales, yeah. Bolsover, and the know, Northeast, you know, the Northeast. Yeah. So, you know, this is a classic example of what, you know, Marx was talking about, you know, the, the, the community springs up around the mine people live in incredibly close-knit like you know literally close-knit houses people live yeah. next door to one another and they go into the same they pubs go, they, they go, go in the same, same pub they work they work or... in yeah they work in the same very dangerous industry underground and, and these these are the conditions that, which produce yeah laborism you know yeah. and obviously obviously there are other factors you know it's you know people are guided by if you do look at comparative studies you know that almost the, the material conditions are same in different coal fields but, but some coal fields have different were more radical than others, and so there are all, there are always factors. And there's a like, degree of human agency, and yeah, all of course, this, of and, course, and there is, but, and everything. But, but nonetheless, when we're looking at the economy of Bridgend and places like Cardiff now, you're right. Like people are working in the gig economy, yeah. Deliveroo, you know, Uber, call centres, call centres. Yeah. Yeah, these are non care work as well. Yeah, you know, yeah the third sector. Yeah. These are not yeah. unionised sectors, yeah. and the trade union movement has been really slow at like yeah. adapting to it. They're still very rigid. There's yeah. a reason that anarchist unions are the ones who've been. Yeah. Out Doing the most for like cleaners and stuff in mm. and in the traditionally non-unions and those sectors, but and this, that's a massive, massive. But this is this is it. Like we're at a point now a where people do share the same anxieties and you know facing the same challenges that capitalist realism poses to people's yeah. lives. Okay, they may have slight, you know, they may work for a different firm or they might might have a different shift, you know. But ultimately, people are sharing the same. Uh, the, yeah. We're living in the same context, so it's, it's a question of how you build those bonds and those um, that solidarity, you know, across different organisations mm. and across different industries in a way. And I think that's the thing that we haven't faced up to. You no. know, I think Joe Kennedy said on Twitter yesterday, you "No, know, look at the way that the um, the BBC covered um, the election. You know, the, the particularly the constituencies in the northeast, but obviously the South Wales valleys. It's always they're always framed as X mining communities, as if this, the that means that the bonds of social solidarity should still somehow exist. When these are not X mining communities, they're not X industrial communities. They are presently call centre communities mm. or fractional hour zero hour communities, and you have to look, you know, uh, properly." at what the situation is on sociologically and economically on the ground right now and build movements from that. You, you can't impose these outdated ideas of what communities were or what should be. 
you know, and I, th I think that's been the failure of this, of this project, really, is that it hasn't looked close enough at trying to find those commonalities across, you know, yes, the, industry, the, the economy is fractured right now, but as I say, people are still having the same experience, I think, of capitalist realism, and, and that's what we have to build on. The pro well, one of the problems with Corbyn is, yeah, it didn't, it didn't talk about class enough. It didn't join those dots between like, the, the various class fractions and... and we said with Aditya, you know, what people who have been to university, for example, can't get a job and now work in a zero contract in like a supermarket, whatever, yeah. versus, you know, a single mother living on a council estate versus the, you know, the traditional, you know, working to man or the, the ex the ex steel worker or the ex uh, mine or whatever, you know, Corbyn's fa Corbynism's failure is it didn't articulate a, a, a language of class or class conflict, which brought these different class fractions together. And, and if you look back to what hegemony means, like to be hegemonic, I mean, it actually means to lead. And when Lenin conceived of the idea, it means for the proletariat to lead classes which are allied to it, to lead the peasants, to lead like the petty bourgeois, to lead um, all the other classes, um, and to articulate class and class struggle in a way that finds the common ground between these yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, between these sort of disparate class fractions which on the which without like a lead in movement would just remain sort of isolated and Corbynism for all its huge strengths I don't think didn't get to grips with that really I yeah. think as well you know uh, we talk about the working class but you know people we would perhaps describe or see as being traditionally working class may not actually see themselves in that way yeah and also um where i work in um building services industry and i'd say culturally it's a very working class environment you know um like everyone just goes out on the piss all the time like uh lads, lads, yeah, lads. yeah their hobbies for everyone is just basically playing football but these are people because Scum. yeah <laughs> but, but these these are these are people like um, who are on, you know, a lot of the yeah. time, 40 grand a year. Mm. And obviously that's, that's contradictory to, you know, their lived experience of like, yeah, you know, culturally we have like a working class yeah. um, bond, but at the same time they don't see themselves, you know, because the, the, yeah. their, their um, material powers is a lot greater than, you know. We haven't talked about yeah. social mobility and like that was one of the main things about Thatcherism. It was one of the main reasons Thatcherism was a hegemonic movement that sort of managed to, engender a huge cultural shift it speaks people. to an aspiration within it, working class it, people doesn't well, it? it doesn't speak to it, it creates it mm. you know the, the whole point of right to buy was literally to peel off swathes of the work aspirational mm. working class who because you know because once you own your house you're like well i'm not working class in one pay bourgeois I'm middle class and you become a conservative and you know and so there was a call and yeah yeah people do people move to Pothcall, move to the veil and when we did our housing episode the argument was there was explicitly at the time thatcherite um strategists who said you know Everyone who rents their house is a Labour voter, and everyone who owns a house is a Conservative voter. So, mm. right, the the right to buy scheme actually had this explicit ideological aim, and it was to split the working class and to create a new layer of Conservative voters yeah. who no longer consider themselves as working class. And that's yeah. what and and you're absolutely right, Neith. When we talk about traditional working class areas, you know, we, and you see it when you go around estates and like new builds mm. in South Wales, you know. The petty bourgeois, um, house proud petty bourgeois, they are a deeply conservative strata of society. And if you look at so, you know sociologically, the petty bourgeois, you know it, it's the the layer between the working class and the 
the middle class. And Bourdieu writes some amazing stuff about the petty bourgeois because, you know, the petty bourgeois are defined by their constant angst, constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses and constantly trying to break into the, the actual middle class. Um, but they can never do it. They can yeah. never actually yeah. do it. So that's why the petty bourgeois are defined by um, vulgar displays of wealth. Uh, that's why they're called new money. That's why, but, but it's basically, but if, it, so it's basically working class people who have, have culturally working class people who've made a lot of money. Oh yeah, you, you speak made some money, it. right? Yeah. But yeah. this is the. I think this is what's in, kind of important is that they made a degree of money, so they'll ha- you'll own a nice car mm. and you own your own, your own house, and you might own another house which you get a bit of an income from, right? Yeah. That's, uh, I'm generalising, but you just generalise. That's very accurate. To <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> yeah. Proof, yeah. But you really still accurate. use the NHS yeah. and you still use public education, yeah, yeah. right? And now, but the problem is that people are not joining the dots between the effects that that these broader conservative decisions are making on yeah. you know public amenities and, and obviously the NHS. And you know, so you, people are not joining the dots between their individual experience and the shared experience of the way that the economy is organised, right? And I think that's one of the the things we have to address is trying to make the argument that you are not an individualized, atomized person. Yes, you can afford to own your own car on your own home, but you still have a stake in this wider, in the wider economy but, and, and society more generally. I, Does I, that make sense? I'd, I'd say, yeah, but at the same time, it's just like, well, to be honest, but left school at 16, you know, like they don't see education as, but, you know, obviously yeah, they you had education. You, using you don't care. Yeah. But like, it's not seen as that. I was just like, yeah, I hear it. Like, oh, you know, NHS, I don't use that. We, we, well, we, we, born, we, you? we also can't criticize, but we also can't criticize people um, without first looking at again, you know, the, the structure and role of the media, for example, and, and how. Oh yeah, yeah, know, just, definitely. Just just like Thatcherism, um, just like Thatcherism legitimated itself and created a folk devil in like the scrounger. You know, that was the whole. That's how Thatcherism split the working class. It created the narrative of people yeah. who were like, you know, there's no such thing as community. And one of the ways it did that was turn people against. Uh, people on benefits and things like it's, that. It's yeah. amazing, right? Because I see it in Reagan Cat. did it the same as well. I see it in Citizens Advice. I had someone come in, like asking about on behalf of um, like their daughter, what benefits is she entitled to? And I was like, oh, I can have a look if you did it. And then you're like, duh, must get some people in here asking about benefits. I was like, oh, yeah, you, you you're do. doing it. Yeah, like, but you know, it's like they don't yeah. associate with like, no. you know, oh, these people are getting this for free. Maybe I should get that as well. And and yeah, and, and this this like legacy is still here massively. And and if you look at, but if you just look at society, the the way entrepreneurs and on, being entrepreneurial is like elevated and like in in the media shows like the Apprentice, like uh, the fact that fucking Trump is yeah. the president. Um, and but even shows like Towie, Love Island, it, you know, it's it's all encouraging. This really, yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's like it's it's like the leg, it's like Thatcherite media. Really, it's too, but you know, it's all about this um, owning a house. You know, exp- what's called um, OT over the top. Displays well, of wealth, yeah, but- grotesque displays of wealth and things like that, and define yourself by brands and stuff like this. And and so we, yeah, I mean, I. I slate, well, I'm slating people who Con- do it. Suspicious consumption, yeah, is that yeah, it? Yeah, conspicuous consumption is like the defining feature of the, the petty bourgeois. And, and I'm slating people, but, um, and whilst... That's on the, just put no, on Audi. But on the one hand, Kieran, like, I have, ma- I, I agree with you in that, you know, you've, Corbynism has to try to w- find a way of like leading, bridging that and maybe bringing together the petty bourgeois and, um, and the working class. But part of me, and obviously this goes back to classical Marxism, you know, 
Marxist theories of fascism and basically say that like the petty bourgeois is like yeah. the, the yeah. backbone of fascist movements because mm. they are so but terrified of being sucked down to the working class. Yeah, they're so yeah desperate. absolutely right. They're a dangerous they, they, class. They are, yeah. they, they are traditionally seen as yeah. like extremely counter-revolutionary, but I, dangerous but I will class. Say, but I will say that, you know, the petty bourgeoisie, in, particularly in a place like South Wales... <laughs> You know, yeah, it's, relative, yeah. it's the it? it's the assumption that you can yeah. you can cons- consume conspicuously and that mm. you can buy a nice car and have yeah. that on the driveway and that's a sign of and symbol of your your class position. But ultimately, you are fucking much closer <laughs> yeah. to the working class than you are to, as you say, to the actual the real middle class. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The real yeah. And I, no, I see, I do see what you're saying, and that that there's a, that's where the that that hinge point is where the the, the risk is and highest. The, and the thing is, for radicalization, Porth Court is but, like the petty poo. Petty bourgeois <coughs> capital in, in it. It, capital in a town, um, and like I think just this election, I found quite exhausting to to chat to people from both court. No names mentioned, and and people are just no very, but, pe- but people are very people are very uh, atavistic and very like oh why should I vote for you know um, Jeremy Corbyn blah blah and it's all and it's all this property fetishism yeah. you know I want this nice house I want nice things and part of me has just got this vision of like you know like the live laugh love signs. Being like the new symbol of fascism, you know, people are just like quite happy with people being like caught, ironically no. scrolled onto a heart. Yeah, <laughs> and, but you know, but so like I was like overcome during the election, looking around me with at the vulgar displays of like wealth and the selfishness of well, selfishness that's promoted by the media, but then you you sort of do see it in. I just replicate that um, absolutely everywhere. I was so I was livid like um, on election night, and I was I messaged. Um, like no, somebody's bragging because they said they voted Tory, and obviously, like Tory's got in. I was like, you know, um, I was like, oh, it's just horrendous. You know, people only care about lining their own pockets; they don't care about like the coming mm-hmm. and of institutions. He's like, eh, to be honest, but nah, not really. If I see almost people, I ch- threw a couple of quid at them, but I don't really care. It's just like, oh, you know, fine. Well, so you're right. Well, we're encu- but, people, but people are encouraged. You know, like this. I mean. You have to be patient because people are encouraged to be like this by society. You know, like um, if you look at when people were having loads of sympathy with that guy who was like, "Oh, I'm earning eighty grand," you know, eighty grand a year. I'm not in the top five percent. And um, and then you had all these people saying like, "Why should Corbyn tax billionaires?" Because people think that they're going to be a billionaire. And like, yeah, people, yeah. People aspire to be like yeah. so loaded that anyone says, "I'm going to close tax mm-hmm. loopholes." People are like, "No, that's bad." Billionaires worked half the money. And like, no, they didn't. Like, no one earns a billion pounds. I had but- a guy guy in work who was annoyed at um, Jeff Bezos, his ex-wife. He's just like, she's done nothing doing that. She just divorced him. Oh she yeah, got all that Bezos. for nothing. Yeah, but, like what? But the point, yeah, but the the point is that people. If there's you're this, rustling, it's Nate yeah, feeding this tapeworm. <laughs> so we can't... You've just eaten before we went on. No, we you had a whole meal of 10 minutes ago. Um, oh, so nice, though. But people are, people are encouraged, you know, to, people are encouraged to be grasping. Um, yeah. And you're right. And it, but it's people, it, particularly the petty bourgeoisie, not seeing the sheer distance between their own <laughs> lived experience yeah. and those that have got that level of money and power, right? And and I think that that gulf is where the Dean, you know, is. Well, the weird thing is, I mean, the weird thing is, is that if you look at neoliberalism, you know, neoliberalism around the world, one of the effects of it is that the the middle classes and the low middle classes have massively felt the pinch as well, and so that's what that's what was I've been a bit confused and shocked about yeah. because you would think that more people would be like proletarianized. But people are just doubling down stories um, now. Yeah, or people, but yeah, and that, and this is the problem. This is why we have to like win the narrative because, as you, yeah, I, I actually agree actually that people are people are at risk. People are treading water, even the ones who are like you know, 
I always look at people, especially from both call, who are like, oh, I've got this car, whatever. And you think, well, you probably finance up to the... Exactly. The, yeah, yeah. The hilt. Um, but it's all about like... The pre- presentation of yeah. like a kind of success, yeah. isn't but it? Yeah. people are actually struggling. And I think, you know, that is going to go get a lot worse than the conservative. So in some ways, like the contradictions are going to get worse and p- yeah. the conditions might become more favorable for actual collective organizing and, and the labor movement. Well, it, it's about organizing. And to be fair to uh, Owen Jones, he's been banging on about this for years, but it's about organizing the precariat. Like that's mm. what you have to do is get unions into the call centers, yeah. unionize the, um, the couriers and the fucking delivery people because most of us are going to be probably delivery workers for Amazon by the end of the fucking decade. So, God. you know... It, Bio but, robots. But it like. is those... Yeah, well, if the robots don't win first, but... You say that about the robots, robots not winning first. But as you say, it's yeah. so difficult in the... And that's what neoliberalism does. It mm. it strips away every ounce of energy and power that everyone, anyone has, strips your, your, your income down to the bare bones so that you're constantly stressed and uh you know desperate to try and live month to month what we need you is can't the, think you say people who are desperate ahead. to pay us more money <laughs> so we can have the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you say you mentioned yeah. about if Basically, robots don't win first i reckon it won't be a point because human labor will always be cheaper than you know like <laughs> to, it will be people will be like well you know you see it now you know, yeah. and that's, yeah. I think that's that's like a kind of. Um, you might be right. Yeah. yeah, not like how things are going to become. It's just you will have, like we mentioned before, huge divides in people's lives and actual solid underclass. You know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right. So, what else are we going to talk about? Um, we've talked about the petty. Dan's bourgeois. got a new hat. We've talked about the petty bourgeois. You know, um, but the thing, I mean, I did feel a bit bad about this um, because I came away from canvassing. And part of me is like, God, God, you know, look, this used to be like, this used to be like a huge council estate and now it's full of new builds and, and full of housing associations and everyone's got like huge cars in the driveway and stuff. And it's very, you can see how atomized things have become and you can't take this idea of the collective for granted anymore. But nonetheless, like almost everyone I chat to mm-hmm. was sound. You know, they were nice people. Do you know what I mean? I didn't, you know, they, they, they're not. Oh, yeah, same they, in work. Like, you know, people are fine. like, yeah, they're nice, mm-hmm. nice people. And when you actually yeah. spoke to them about, the manifesto, you know, like, oh, don't you, you use the NHS? Yeah, I love the NHS. It's really important to me, people saying, oh, yeah, everyone needs schools, everyone needs hospitals, mm. everyone needs transport, everyone needs roads, mm. um, everyone needs, well, should need libraries, things like this. And and if people do respond to it, um, we won't bother. It's, there's no point doing a, talking about the role of the media because we all know that the media is responsible it's- for conning people, basically. And, 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 but I think you said earlier, Kieran, before we got on the challenge is to make the connections for people between everyday life yeah. and politics to connect this poor state of the nhs and the reality of cuts. what boris johnson symbolizes with people's everyday experience i mm. think that's what we have to do um and how you do that well it, you know education isn't it it's like- well, to, to bring this back to wales actually what i noted on the doorstep is obviously people are extremely confused by politics people are extremely confused by um the stream of bullshit they get from like facebook things like that and they're not you know people are people are struggling to understand that they're yeah. struggling to understand what people stand for you know there's incredibly incoherent messages people saying like i voted lib dem because i want to get brexit done People saying, "Oh, you know, Labour have been in power for this long." And I was like, "No, Labour are not in power. You know, the Conservatives in power." And and mm. the thing is, people 
this is what bugs me. I said this on Twitter, and people, you do get the occasion of people going, oh, well, you think the working class people are stupid, do you? And I was like, well, no. Like, the, the, you know, Althusser and Marx and stuff and like Gramsci aren't calling people stupid. They're just saying that there are structures in place which which influence people. Yeah. It actually parallels the debate about post-colonial theory. There when Dye Smith was like, what, you, you're saying I'm, I'm colonised? I didn't think I was colonised. Yeah. Well... Well, that's the whole like the whole point of like talking about <laughs> structures is that you don't you don't yeah, know about don't it. Know it's it's not it's not it's not necessarily saying that people are stupid by any means. It's just saying that it's just the way society is structured. And the capitalist realism, the whole point of capitalist realism, the book by Mark Fisher, is that like we don't like we don't see that these things are ideological because they're so taken for granted. Yeah. Um They're so banal, aren't they? Like in but, what, like, but but what struck me then, we yeah, we need education to do this and the thing is, we could do this in Wales. We have an opportunity, have an opportunity to do now to, to do citizenship and political and media and civic education in schools. And Kieran and I were both involved in <laughs> drafting the curriculum for this. And we've seen firsthand the Welsh government reject it. Yeah. You've got you've thing is, everyone's in you have to go to school. You have to be in school yeah. if you want to change. And and I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that Scotland teaches civics. It's no yeah. Um, you know and. And Look at the political uh, the level, the discourse so it yeah. is 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 night and day compared to Wales. Yeah. Well, um, we were talking. To, I mean, this is another conversation, really. But like the, the army of professionalised um, politicians that the SNP have, oh, yeah, like, really bizarre. savvy, articulate, focused people who party people who are just really media savvy. They know exactly how to conduct themselves. They know exactly how to make the right arguments for people. And what have we got in Wales? We, we've got fucking Mark Trigford. And I think partly that the, obviously the, the city, you can't make a direct comparison with Scotland is very different, but look how good Scotland's education system is. Look how good its university system is. And we have the opportunity to do that in a fuck in a devolved nation mm. that has control over education. I would also say as well, I mean, I'm not. I'm not hammering the Welsh government enough, really, at the moment for for me. But but it makes you think. I mean, like the Welsh government have done absolutely nothing to arrest this, the decline of these communities. You know, they've they've as you said, in fact, they've just exacerbated. They've turbocharged it by giving more money to Amazon, to Indios, yeah. things like this. Rather than saying enough's enough, we're going to actually fight back. Yeah, they've just gone with the tide, um, and they've basically created a Welsh state, which is. It's about serving capital rather than anything else. But, but like you said, it benefits them, doesn't it? Of course, it, it does. Yeah. Just keeps them in power. But um, but the, no, but it's short termist because it's not going to keep them in power. It's not going to keep them in power because what they're doing, they're actually laying the groundwork for a massive backlash against devolution, for a massive backlash against the Labour Party. And you've got the t- they've got some of the not not all the tools, not all the tools by any means, but they've got some of the tools in place that could make a difference. You could have political education in schools. You could fund higher education and f- you could you could fund further education properly mm. and you can make higher education free um yeah. they won't take those steps and it's it's short termism and it's going to come around and bite them in the ass the other thing i thought was nuts as well which i didn't write in the article but was interesting the sheer amount of hex servicemen in south wales and in in Bridgend, um is wild and i know there's a really strong local military culture in south wales but it's just you know people will doubly hostile to Corbyn because they think he's a terrorist but again this is another like Welsh government strategy to basically militarise Welsh society by encouraging mm. um, military recruitment in the schools by you know encouraging more military bases and then these what you're essentially creating is an army of anti-labour anti uh, you know foot yeah. soldiers for capital mm. um, and well, no, no offence you know that's a massive generalisation but you know as the Joe Glenton podcast showed you know you don't tend to come out of the armed forces with a socialistic belief, you come out with like nationalistic <laughs> militarist beliefs, and the Welsh government are encouraging this, and you know it, 
it's not not a smart long term strategy for building um, for building socialism. socialist nation. Yeah, really. really is not is it? So Dan, we're we're nearing the end of uh, this discussion. Question to you: Do you think we've hammered Welsh labour enough? No, um, and I'm very sorry. To, <laughs> I'm very sorry to all our listeners that um, we haven't. We've, we've, got, we've gone, to, we've gone, uh, gone quite your... easy on them. Well, where to start? Really, I mean, f- firstly, obviously, Welsh labour are a part of the the labour this element within labour that have been obsessed with the EU and obsessed with Remain, um, totally ignoring the wishes of their core constituents and yeah. and supporters. Um, and that's just been a, it's a massive factor that they still don't get. If, I mean, they're still obsessed with Remain. Um, how are you meant to cut through on the doorstep when all, all you're talking about is having a second re- referendum is just bizarre. And well, they, I, Yeah, I do wonder. Like someone like Christina Rees in Neath, right? Knocking on the door, 60% of your constituents have uh, voted leave, right? Knocking on the door and then knowing that you are a Remainer yeah. and that you've actively campaigned yeah, against Remain. your constituents. You know, I can't imagine the hostility, to be honest. You know? but, but it's that, what I'm intrigued by, and I won't name names, but when I, I spoke to a really nice, a lovely person when I was at Canvassing in Bridgend, um, who works for, you know, Welsh Labour and Welsh Government, and I said about I was working in housing, um, and she said what it's like, and I said, well, the Welsh Government have, are terrible on housing, the housing policy is terrible, housing law, yeah. Housing Act 2014 is awful, Moving of, uh, removal of priority need for prison leavers is appalling, and she was genuinely, genuinely horrified, so a really nice person, mm. but she couldn't believe that the Welsh Government, yeah. you know, were failing, and it, so there's not just, I mean, the, the Remain obsession is like a symptom of their wider disconnect. I mean, like, and, and someone else has told me this, who actually said he used to work in the Welsh government. He says their internal culture of, like, Welsh Labour is like, we are genuinely like, progressive and we're doing, we're really doing good work. Yeah, and they the call Lord's themselves work. socialists. Yeah, yeah and, but I think they... This the or problem. Hugh Thomas does, doesn't but he? But this is the thing. I honestly think, and I, I, I have to admit, I haven't conceived of this before, they actually believe it. They actually yeah. think yeah. that they are doing the right thing they think they, they're doing good they think that people they're obviously making some tangible improvements in people's lives when they fundamentally absolutely yeah. are not and it's just wild to see people think them actually saying like oh we've yeah. done a lot of good for this community i said what then but they're they're in the ultimately safe position of feeling as if they're doing the right <laughs> thing but also all of those labor members particularly all the labor members that joined after corbyn became um leader in South Wales, all those people across the country who are big Labour, you know, big Corbyn supporters, big Labour supporters, do not look at what's happened in the Senate. And mm. so assume that whatever Welsh Labour doing must be the right thing because Drakeford sh- will share a stage with, with, because with, Corbyn will share a, sta- a stage with Drakeford. I was at the Swansea rally last week and the chief. You opened for Corbyn, didn't I you? I did open for Corbyn, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just did a couple of tunes yeah. uh, that I'd written for him. Oh, Jeremy Corbyn is yeah. one of them. Uh, <laughs> a really slow down acoustic uh, number. Yeah. Oh, um, But the, on, the cheers that Drakeford was getting on the back it's of wild. what he was suggesting that uh, Welsh Labour had done and the way they protected yeah. Wales from all of the, you know, the worst elements of austerity. Um, honestly, I just felt sick. But, but this, yeah. this <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And, 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 yeah, and you've got Tribune for all their strengths, whitewashing it, like every time. Yeah, but it, it does, it does play into like London narratives uh, view on Welsh Labour. So well, it's, 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 it's the heartlands. Yeah, it's the heartlands, honestly. But I don't think, I, I don't think that they... After quiet par- practice, they're all... Uh, I just all think that people, I just think that people <laughs> reading don't... Reading I just think that people don't yeah. know and I, it's clear that when you eat, when people in Welsh Labour don't even know that they're doing a bad job, um, even when 
the evidence is all around them is just remarkable. And and what I I think is fascinating, right? What you just said, Kieran, about like the Welsh government basically, rather than like trying to insulate or um, inoculate or protect Wales from worst excesses in neoliberalism, um, people like Ken Skates in particular um, have just gone with it and have allowed neoliberalism to basically like gut our communities based on and, and Welsh you know we're providing jobs yeah like yeah. precarious poorly paid atomized jobs and what I think what struck me about this whole you know the, the Welsh dimension of all this is that by not protecting our communities by doing nothing to respect them with like the remain vote um by doing nothing to rebuild these institutions no. and apparatuses that or have been that have been destroyed ameliorate the worst effects of precarity yeah. what they're actually doing whether intentionally or not probably not intentionally because you know they're not the sharpest people to, to put <laughs> Don't it mild, think we've done to anything put it, intentionally to put it mildly. <laughs> um you know they're doing two things they're actually laying the groundwork for one you know the destruction of the labor tradition in wales which will mean that wales will one day collapse the vote will collapse and it'll go w- another way hopefully yeah. not conservative but it will collapse and Welsh Labour's approach is so short-termist that they're, they're they're happily going along with this economic paradigm which as we've just discussed erodes yeah. the forms of social solidarity that a Labour vote and Labour tradition depends upon um, so they're going to basically end up playing themselves and gutting yeah. it and the next one is you know they're they're laying the groundwork for massive backlash against devolution because when people actually mm-hmm. find finally join the dots, you know there's yeah. going to be a huge backlash against yeah. devolution. So their do their inaction yeah. is preparing and Wales for disaster. Wales up for disaster. Yeah, and that the opportunities of devolution weren't just weren't taken. Twenty years of it, of course, not twenty years of absolute failure. And the other interesting thing, Wrexham, right? So Wrexham is a huge um, story because it's Wrexham is a I've always seen it as a, it's a I've described it to my mates who've not been to Wrexham. I said, well, it's a South Wales town in North Wales. And, you know, and it's a proud mining tradition, yeah. incredibly working class town. Historically, um, labour. Yeah, like like hardcore labour Wrexham is. Yeah. And it's gone blue. And there are numerous reasons for that. One, obviously, the Brexit thing. Two, demographics. Um, and this is what I think is interesting. The what we've, we've previously discussed, the Welsh government's strategic document, which basically fetishises the creation of cross-border economic networks. So... Um, D side, you know the D side hub, you know the the um the seven corridor, you know joining up basically create Newport being integrated into like Southwest, Greater yeah. Bristol, like Avonmouth or whatever. Mm. Um, and again, <laughs> basically hanging on the on the back of Bristol's success as a city. Yeah, but like so, they're short term. <laughs> we, we have some. Yeah, so their obsession <laughs> with crumbs. their obsession with like agglomeration. I mean, how can they not see that that's going to have political um, ramifications? You know, like Wrexham has been absorbed economically into like the D side and check like greater Chester area people are people from Chester who are affluent and moving yeah. over the border to yeah. work um you know transport for Wales links it and this is inevitably gonna alter the distinctive political cu- culture of of Wrexham and that particular part of Wales you know people you know not just it's not just people moving there but it's just the gradual absorption can you how can you have can you can you envision a, an economic region which is split down the middle between one political culture and another? It just doesn't happen. The flows of people, mm. um, the flows of capital, 
you know, create sort of homogenization. And, and yeah, you just you have know, like commuter hubs eventually. Don't exactly. You? And Wrexham is obviously like Newport, yeah. turning into a commuter hub for like Chester, Liverpool, Manchester. Um, and then people are shocked then that, it, oh no, Wrexham's gone blue. Well, that's actually a corollary of the Welsh government's obsession with cross-border economic uh, agglomeration. And, it, and it's going to erase the distinctive labour culture that Newport yeah. had as well. Because yes. Newport is going to is going to yeah. become a commuter, to, uh, is rapidly becoming a commuter town mm. um, for for Bristol. Yeah. So yeah, you know, right. and so they, they're just sowing the seeds of their own destruction with their short termism, and they don't seem to get it. And it's you just keep saying to them like, you can't be doing this. I don't know. I find it. But then that that comes down. I mean, partly this is a conversation about Welsh Labour's approach to the nation, the idea of the Welsh nation, isn't it? And like whether, yeah, it's, whether it's, you it's nationalistic to think nationalistic, of it, protectionistic is, yeah, is to how think, it would to think be of the economy in a in a national term, yeah. um, or distinct to try to build links between the north and south of Wales yeah. would be seen as nationalistic. But 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 this is my this is the point I was kind of making off mic is that you know. Well, what Welsh Labour I think need to understand is that I I think a huge element of the you know the resistance uh, of um, the Welsh Labour vote in South Wales Valleys, given everything that's happened and given Brexit and everything, you know, it, the vote is still holding up. Yeah, absolutely. There is a national dimension to that. Of course, there is. It's a banal national dimension, yeah. but it's about the way that people live their everyday lives as Welsh people. I'm yeah. convinced of that. And and but to ignore that, well, ignore uh, your peril, as you said, you know, because. That's what's happened. You can see those votes being lost. To well, the Welsh Labour, you know, the Welsh Labour heartlands and the South Wales Valleys, you know, they, they're the most um, Welsh identifying parts of, of Wales. They're far more Welsh identifying than a Frogham Rhaig, and they always, and they yeah. always have been. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's ridiculous that, they, that is, uh, is downplayed. And speaking of places to win over to the national uh, <laughs> movement, let's talk briefly. But, we'll finish by talking about Plaid. So, um, that, wait, did they... Um, I, I, I can't remember. Was it nine seats they managed to get? <laughs> so Plaid of um, seven. Plaid of uh, retained all their seats. Oh. Uh, four, so they got four seats, four MPs, and um, they didn't win Ennis Mon, which they were predicted to, and which they should have, in my view. Now we all know that the the pact with the Lib Dems was ultimately a defensive strategy because what's happened is Adam Price has realised now he's in power. Holy shit! It's really difficult being a leader of Plaid Cymru to not be invited onto leaders' debates, to to not have any positive airtime, to hardly any coverage in the media, ha- any positive coverage. But also the fact that every, it always narrows to a two-horse race between Labour and Conservatives is it really difficult for Plaid Cymru in these circumstances. He's realised that, you know, the, the prospect of him losing seats is like, yeah, couldn't countenance that because that would undermine his like narrative of, as like the Mab Dorogan and the second coming of Christ basically so it was like right well let's just you know um, do damage we'll, limitation damage limitation basically and to be fair they've um, they've retained their they've they've retained their seats but this the, the hilarious thing is the challenge for Plaid has always been to break out of the seats they've always won and they haven't they're still standing still and they, they you know that they, they're they've kept their heartland vote but but they were never going to do well in the South. They're a Remain party. They've been reviewed mm. as a Remain party. But, and but they were never going to do well but, in the Valleys. But the, but the challenge for them, you know, so Adam Price wants to have a, a referendum, you know, a referendum on the penance. He wants Plaid to be the biggest party in Wales, which implies, requires, uh, you know, to become hegemonic, to basically to win mm. South win Wales, to win, you know, British Wales, to win these places, yeah. right? Um, it should I'll, be easy to get win Welsh independence now that we've got so many Tory seats. But the fact that these, you know, the fact that they've basically doubled down on their core vote, you know, they've gone full remain, you know, this is not a recipe for winning 
Sounds beyond real. your comfort zone. No. It really isn't. Um, and the thing, the worst thing about it is that all this does it it sort of reinforces all the it con- it's confirmation bias. It's pe- it's telling people who have applied and are convinced that Wales is like a Remainer country that everything's okay and this and it's really just a safety it, they're in their comfort zone massively i also think as well it's a failure for them to not to win an ismon you know albert owen was standing down mm. the serve candidate was absolutely abject and Plaid were predicted to win it um and they didn't and that is a failure and i do think that if like you know leanne wood added to Plaid seats in 2017 faced with the same material conditions if you know do you, how do you think this would have been spun if leanne mm. wood was still in charge i don't think it would have been seen yeah. as a a big positive victory at all i think would have been seen as, oh we're standing still that was the the charge level that leanne we're standing still yeah, yeah. you know whether or not played are going to change tack for the Welsh government elections is something 2021 else. yeah um I think that's going to be a different story whole, but whole you know there. um if they keep harping on about remain yeah. um the thing is we might we'll, we'll be out the yeah. eu by then yeah uh, what are they going to do just bang on about rejoining it um, well, that's the funny thing. You see, it, on, de- it will depend what happens in Scotland as well. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be the big um, and Ireland, as too. we predicted. You know, the yeah. SNP, you know, the Labour wiped out in Scotland. Um, I'm very happy for people in Scotland. Um, mm. I th- I celebrate and look forward to the breakup of Britain as a an ambiguously awesome thing. I think I hate the UK more than Tom Nairn did. Um, <laughs> but what is interesting now is that you know we've got a a populist right wing demagogue in. Westminster and Boris Johnson and the SNP with an overwhelming mandate, I think, for a second referendum independence. Now that yeah. could get very, very it could ugly. Get ugly. It could get Cause, ugly. Because, I mean, I, I don't I like... I was talking to about the rhetoric that, that uh, already Johnson is using, mm. that, you know, the people's government. Yeah. He said this morning, um, oh, we got to remember, you know, to all my Tory MPs, we've got to remember that we are the servants of the people now, yeah. not the masters. That is classic fascist oh, rhetoric. I don't... Tommy know, Robinson's I, just joined the Tories yeah. as well. Yeah. I don't actually Tory like... Tory Robinson. I, I don't like, I don't like the, the, the word populist. I think it's a, it's generally a useless term. But... Johnson is a populist in the sense that he will do absolutely anything if he thinks there's political capital and mileage in it. Like he would, he would stoop to any depth. Mm. Yeah, the language he's using up the weeks, the language is so patronising, cynical. Mm. You know, oven ready, microwave ready. It's just, it was. Yeah, and he will, he will. It's the worst aspect. And like a Dittier's article said, you know, we 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 should look at Johnson as part of a global right wing. Mm network of creeping yeah. fascism and that is what we're up against now and we need to yeah. rec- we need to recognize that um and break the petty bourgeoisie <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah basically um and i hope but, but i mean obviously shout out to the smp for producing their army of sort of weird blairite impressive cyborg politicians who yeah um and this is because they have their own national bourgeoisie scotland yeah. um and we don't but um yeah incredibly impressive eerily impressive people. <laughs> uh, where they're cloning these yeah. well Nicholas, Stur- Nicholas Sturgeon is easily the most impressive pod. I mean, there's like a high you know, mind, Alex, Alex Sturgeon uh, uh, Alex Salmon was um, the best pod- you know the best politician of his generation um, ridiculously good performer and yeah incredibly articulate incredibly sharp and, and Nicholas Sturgeon is yeah. nearly as good as him and it's just it's just frightening and like you look at I mean, what it's, it? it's like, funny when you look at the Senate and then you look at like S and P politicians, just, just, yeah. and they form that sort of weird block, don't they, in Westminster? And it just must be funny, like um, yeah, I them imagine. looking at these. Uh, anyway, um, right. But it, yeah, it comes down to an education system that functions quite well, and a country <laughs> that functions quite well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but don't, but like, I mean, 
well, not standing for the SNP. I mean, they're not a socialist party. They're, no. they're centrist, and they're, they're not. Um, but anyway, but, but the they're also, but they're also, but they are, they are also not. They also haven't failed to the extent that they've laid the foundations for Scotland being absorbed and destroyed like the Welsh government have, and that is in itself something that should be. You no, know, the fact that devolution has succeeded, they've created a Scottish public sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've created all these sure things. What can be done with it? Yeah. Which could have been done, and then. Um, yeah, anyway. Right. Thank you so much for listening. Um, what we would say is, you know, yeah, the left lost, but we knew it was going to happen. Um, we knew that the hard work hadn't been done, and the fight back start, starts yeah, now. resources of hope. Yeah, I mean, you have to do... I mean, the thing is, we've got no choice as socialists, have we? You know, we're not going to... I mean, if you th- no one is a socialist because you think it's going to be easy. And we've also seen in this election, you know, the nature of the state and the forces that are arraigned against us and they've been quite clearly you know the bbc being one of them um so as we said online don't mourn organize to that end we are delighted to be releasing or to be working towards a paper a print um it'll be a, a print art if printed artifact it's called the paper um so shout out to show it to all Oliver, yeah. our yeah. graphic designer, who's, who's been designed, a, done all the design work. He's done all the promotional work. Absolute soldier. And he's doing a lot of work. All he's, legend. Yeah. he's basically, yeah. He's been helping. Bind. So um, in our Christmas party, we're going to be doing some fundraising for the paper. So um, please come along because it's really important. It's now, it's, it's now more important than ever that we have like a vehicle for the discussion on the left in Wales and people who are going to scrutinise the Welsh government, the British government, anyone who's in a position of authority, basically, because at the moment we just don't have that. Um, I realise how bad it is, like the day after election, to be like, "Hey, fund our. <laughs> do you want to just put some more money into our paper?" But you know, we're releasing it next year, and we will need. Um, and it's going to be a collective. Everyone's mm. going to be involved. You know, um, yeah. it's going to be democratic. Obviously, we're going to be in charge, but um, um, <laughs> you guys can chip in if you want. Um, I'm big nerd. Uh, and my other shout out, of course, is to Jeremy Corbyn. Um, thank you for your service to the labour movement you're just an absolute legend in my eyes so yeah thanks mate hope you come on the show yeah um obviously i'm gonna say we know now that like basically it's gonna be awful next five years and that you know what has happened previously last years it will um you know is nothing compared to what's coming basically i'm gonna say to people get off twitter and like stop postulating about Marxism in some instances and actually help out in low blow there, no, yeah, but <laughs> no, I'm saying, I'm saying it's just like what, yeah, volunteer, what, what get you active do, in yeah, community. yeah, you know, there's services are going to get cut to the bone. That means places like Citizens Advice are going to just get absolutely like overwhelmed by people and they're like running on like nothing at the moment anyway yeah maybe you know stop banging on about stuff online and actually do something which has like actual value other than you know. Playing identity politics. And what I will say, the more you actually do stuff and volunteer in your community, the more hopeful you get because you see the shared humanity and people helping out. I thought um, that until all uh, the people in my citizen advice told me they wrote with Tory. All oh, right, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but apart from that, <laughs> no, honestly, it's or just, you know, help out, you know, doing homeless stuff. There's there's loads of charities that need work. Help out, yeah, help, out, help, the, help the elderly, and, help and the vulnerable. You, to be honest, need each other more than ever. You're now. probably doing more uh, than you are just banging on about crap online. They're not usually exclusive. I mean, you can do both. I mean, it's, oh uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, just you know, yeah, get out, get out. Get like, out put your help. money where your mouth is. Really, don't like you know. Also, shout out to all the all the people who were out canvassing, not just for Labour, you know, for Plaid as well. But um, 
you know, a lot of the people who were canvassing for Welsh Labour um, were from Plaid. I mean, I'm I canvassed for Welsh Labour. I am <laughs> definitely not a member of Welsh Labour, never will be. Um, but people, you know, it was quite moving to see people determined to get the vote out and to to keep the Tories out. Um, but, but we we got to keep that going. Yeah, because this is another thing. Everyone will come together for a common cause during an election, and when you know the result doesn't go the right way, everyone just goes off and just starts sniping each other again. You know, everyone disagrees to an extent, but like you know, you've got to kind of build a broad. Yeah, start building towards a be- the the better society you want, rather than just like moaning online. Like, Kieran. Uh, we've been. What am I getting? None of that was aimed at you, Kieran. Um, if anyone wants to give me a job, then feel free to do that because um, I don't have a job at the moment. Uh, but yes, yeah, same. You know, sh- shout out to Corbyn and everything he's done for the movement. Um, beef with another Europe. Beef with uh, <laughs> beef people. So beef with. Well, uh, well done to the uh, Remain people. You've literally ruined it for ge- yourself. But genuinely, um, uh, what can I say to like round it off? Genuinely, I was fucking broken. But mm. you know, Thursday night, and I think most people on the left were, you know, and and it's ma- it's a massive blow. It is to everything, but it is, you know, without being cliche, you know, it's an opportunity to look exactly at what is happening on the ground and what's gone wrong, and to um, try to begin to con- reconnect the dots for people and to show that like what's happening now is about as bad as it can possibly get, and it can only get better. <laughs> we hope. <I> hope. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Desolation Wheels. Uh, check out our Patreon if you want. I think we've still got some t-shirts left, do we not, Nath? Or, uh, yeah. The, if you're XL or XS, maybe. Yeah, XL or XS, anything in between, don't bother. Like. Um, and come to our Christmas party on the 23rd Please come to our Christmas party. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, bunch of amazing bands. So, oh yeah, so shout out to Art Bandini, Red Telephone, and Surreal Kinnock, the bands who are yeah. coming to play our gig. I'm really excited because they're really awesome guys. But where is our party, Dan? It's at the Roth Park. And when is our party? On the 21st of December, which is a Saturday. And what time is it? 6pm. There we go. <laughs> Love you all. No Goodbye. See you Bye. Bye. Kiss for everyone. This is pathetic. This is awful. We've all been humiliated. Our asses are destroyed. Yeah. And Dennis turned out to be a loser. You know what? Let's just go back to the bar, right? The bar's where we belong. The bar's where we fit in. We can hide from the world in the bar. Yes, yes, I agree with Charlie. I never want to step foot in this high school ever again. Right? No! We can't go out like that. Look, if life pushes you down, you gotta push back. If you're dealt a bunch of lemons, you gotta take those lemons and stuff them down somebody's throat until they see yellow. And if some punk-ass kid humiliates you, you gotta do the only thing that's left to do. Yeah! Whoa! Yes, Frank! Oh, wow, that was a great speech, man. That's the most coherent thing that's ever come out of your mouth. That was awesome, dude. You usually just ramble that on and like on That was like a basketball coach. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? What's the one thing left to do? What is it? Well, the thing of it is, is that uh, there's the lemon stuff. Right. And then you got Mac, who's a rat, and Dee's body brace, and uh, and that's the thing of it, and it's good. What are you saying? No, we. You're gonna tell us what to do. That doesn't. We didn't ask you if something was good or if it wasn't good. I lost my train of thought. Let's go back to the bar. Yep.
Wait, 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 wait. 